can, you know, through Aboriginal ways, just reach out to some of our mob. Working with the wider non-Aboriginal community and working with our own community together allows us to start eating. In the past, you know, people know who they are and that type of thing, but there hasn't been something there to bring everything together, to bring people together, and Native Title has done that. Nina Mani, welcome to Aboriginal Way Radio, produced by South Australian Native Title Services. I'm your host today, Joy Lothian, and I'd like to begin by paying my respects to the traditional owners of the land we are recording on, the Ghana people, their elders past, present and emerging. This week we're speaking with Scott Ratham, cultural learning consultant and the contemporary Aboriginal artist behind the name Rusted Tin. Scott works in both acrylics and aerosol to create new iconography which tells stories from his life and those of the people he works with on canvas and murals. He leaves behind a trail of large, distinctively colourful murals on school walls and community halls as he works with different groups right across the state. I'm sitting here at Sugarbag Creative in Port Adelaide Semaphore area with Scott Ratham an Aboriginal contemporary artist. Scott, could you begin by introducing yourself and telling me a bit about yourself? Yeah, so, um, yeah, my name's Scott Rathman. Um, um, My family's Aranda from um, Alice Springs, east of Alice Springs, but I've resided a lot of my life down here in Adelaide, uh, growing up in the northern suburbs. Um, I was born in Loxton, and I've been doing my contemporary Aboriginal art since I was around 14. and for the last sort of 10 years have been doing that full time. So all around South Australia? Uh, and also do a little bit of work in Victoria as well. So you do a lot of large scale works, do you, Scott? What, what sort of things do you paint on? Yeah, you get sort of a mixed bag when it comes to murals. Um, I've done sort of corrugated iron fences. I've done sheds, roller doors, uh, brick walls, um, pretty much anything. Um, and just recently in Wyler, I was doing a pump track, which is a scooter track. Do you prefer doing large-scale works or do you prefer, I mean, I see we're in your studio here and I see you've done a lot of canvases and smaller-scale things. Do you have a preference or you like painting any size? I, 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 I like doing both, um, but what I really like about painting large-scale work is it's kind of a way of reminding non-Aboriginal people that we're still around. And I also think, you know, if we look at um, sort of a traditional, you know, in a traditional sense that, you know, we've got a lot of uh, rock art and cave paintings and that type of stuff around the place. I kind of see what I do as being a modern version of that. So how do you how do you integrate your heritage and your background into the designs you come up with and the work that you do? Yeah, so for me, um, I use a lot of sort of swells, um, you know, a lot of line work and um, that's sort of honouring that, I guess, that um, sand painting um, style of uh, telling stories um, that you know would have been used in a traditional sense um, for the learning that you know young people did with their elders, um, but also um, for me it's about telling stories, and so I guess what is unique about my work is that um, I'm not trying to tell stories of the past. What I what I'm doing is about telling new stories. So it's about telling stories about things that have happened in my life or lessons that I've learnt throughout my life, but also through my interactions with other people, um, helping to tell their story through the art as well. So all your work tells a story of some kind, would you say? Yeah, yes, yeah, 100%. And it's 
So when I'm working in schools, what I do with the school uh, is I go in and work with a group of students um, and then we sort of uh, workshop a theme that is agreed between the school and myself. And then um, what I'll do is I'll get the students to work through the process of exploring that theme and then getting them to create iconography that represents that story. So, you know, in, in Aboriginal art, in a traditional sense, there's lots of iconography, lots of symbols to represent things. But rather than just regurgitating that same stuff, I like to um, put a bit of effort into creating new iconography that's more relevant to the stories that we're telling today. Oh, so what sort of things do you come up with? Um, well, you know, it could be it could be things to represent. Um, you know, for instance, the often they'll come up with things to represent children playing together, which is something that you know is really important to them. Uh, also around their friendships, so creating something to represent friendships. Um, I've got symbols to represent, you know, finding your voice, nurturing growth, uh, all those types of things, you know, that are part of that kind of, you know, the new stories that I want to tell. However, you have mentioned your grandmother was a member of the Stolen Generation and I know some of your work has honoured her at different points. Can you tell me a bit about her and how she's influenced your work? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, when I was sort of growing up, you know, you, you kind of have this sense that you're Aboriginal but you don't really have a good grasp of necessarily what that means, you know, when you're sort of you know, under 10. And then I think, you know, once you sort of get to a certain age, you start to question stuff and want to know more. And I guess for me growing up, um, you know, my, my, my grandma was a bit different, you know, in the sense that, you know, she was a very quiet woman and, you know, she kind of just went about her business and, you know, she if she had anything to say, it was usually to my dad and, and then, you know, that would then get filtered onto you. And then, so I never really understood that. But then once I started to learn more about her story, I started to understand where that sort of, you know, I guess introvert came from, um, you know, being part of the stolen generation, being in a mission, then working as a domestic servant, you know, um, you know, she had a place where she had to sort of, you know, behave in a certain particular way. Um, and so learning more and more about her story my dad did a lot of research and and um you know has got you know lots of information and documents you know from her past um it helped me to sort of get an understanding about who we are and i guess the really important message you know from her sort of was that you know that's her story and that's not doesn't have to be our story so we need to we need to create our own story not not live hers uh, and I think t sometimes that's one of the, the issues that we have in our community is that people hang on to that sort of stuff rather than trying to build a new story for themselves. You know, that's there for us to learn from, but, you know, we can build a new story for us. And so for me, every piece of art that I do, I feel in some ways inspired by her um, because, you know, it's me standing up and saying something and honouring her by creating my own new journey for myself. You know, not, not living her story or her journey, but living my own. Where was she based? Um, so she was based in Port Augusta. So, yeah, she sort of, once she, she was in a mission called the Bungalows in Alice Springs and then went and worked as a domestic servant. And then after that, she fell pregnant there. And in, in those sort of day and age, I think South Australia and Northern Territory were one. So she ended up down in Port Augusta and that's where my dad and his siblings sort of all sort of... Uh, you know, some of my, my uncle still lives there. So, 
a lot of my cousins and that are still there. So if someone commissioned some work for you, would you talk to them a bit about their background or what sort of thing that they want to come up with? Yeah, so generally what I do is I interview people um, and, yeah, it's obviously I want to get an idea of what sort of the theme of their work would be but and, you know, I really want to get an understanding from them about, you know, if they're saying we want it to kind of represent a significant place to them, I, I really want to understand what it is about that place. So and my artistic process works with words. So I like to build my story first before I paint. So I really want to, I need to have those words and get a really good understanding around what the words mean, what do they look like, you know, for a person. You know, how do they see that on a day-to-day basis or if it's about a place, you know, what is it when you're there, describe to me what it is about that place and then how that makes you feel. And then when you're creating something about how it feels, well, what does that look like? You know, and so that's how I sort of build the story up and then I can paint the picture. So I, I really need to work with the people to get a really good, strong understanding about, you know, what it is about that painting that's going to be really unique for them. And we're sitting here in your studio called Sugarbag Creative and you, you go by the name Rusted Tin. Can you tell me a bit about those names and how they came to be and your studio here and what you what you do here? Yeah, so the Rusted Tin comes from um, a, a representation or a symbolic gesture of what's left of the mission where my grandma was. All that's left is the Rusted Tin. Um, and so that's sort of where that came from and that that's kind of, kind of followed me from um, my teenage years. That's sort of, you know, been a been sort of something that has sort of, you know, was bantered around back then and and has kind of developed into a brand, uh, a recognisable brand, hopefully for people. Um, Sugarbag Creative, I wanted to kind of distinguish between the two entities of, you know, the, the, the studio and what I do sort of out in the community in terms of the mural stuff. Because my ultimate goal is to um, have Sugar Bag Creative be a place where other artists can, um, you know, be represented. So not just me. The Sugar Bag is a, a native beehive. So that's where the name comes from for the Sugar Bag. And tell me a bit about some of the, the work that you sell here. What can people find here? Yeah, um, so we have a lot of original artworks, hand-painted stuff that's up on the walls. Um, we also have uh, things like, you know, coffee mugs, T-shirts, um, washi tape. Um, we've got uh, drink bottles, all sorts of stuff, basically. And also um, I do a lot of digital-based art now. Um, so there's also original digital art, um, which are one-offs, um, you know, framed pieces. You know, we've got a towel, we've got towels, we've got, pretty, we've got umbrellas coming. Um, so, yeah, pretty much anything you could imagine putting art on. We've got it here and I guess one of the things that we try to do here is that um, it's really about trying to keep our prices really low. I mean, my, I have a theory around sort of art is that, you know, we kind of have, you know, three tiers of art where, you know, you've got the people that will pay high-end dollars for a piece of art. You've got the people sort of in the middle and then you've got the people at the lower end that don't have a lot of disposable income but still want to have an original piece of art. So that's the people that I target. Because I think that everyone deserves to have a piece of original art in their house. So you want to make it accessible? Accessible for everyone. And tell me a bit more about the other artists that you hope to work with and represent into the future and your sort of plans around that. Yeah, so I've done a lot of work with um, 
you know, councils around sort of the northern suburbs of Adelaide and lots of workshops with Aboriginal artists there. And one of the things that's a common theme that I hear from those people is they don't really know where to sell and they don't really know how to sell because a lot of the places that we do have are not necessarily accessible for every person or they may not feel that that's something that's accessible for them. So that you know, it could be a barrier there that's invisible, but that, you know, the organisation themselves doesn't realise is there. So what, what I want to be able to do is give those people an opportunity to put paintings on a wall or other things that they may have created um, and also help them to sh- you know, show them how they can put or create art that can be put on a coffee mug or put on a T-shirt and then how that process happens and then have them be able to put their stuff in Sugar Bag Creative as well. Fantastic. Have you started that process yet? Can people get in touch with you or are you not quite ready? Not not quite ready yet. Um, we're sort of, we're, the space that we're in now is, you know, fairly small and it was kind of a teaser just to try it out for a bit. Um, and obviously COVID over the last, we've been here for a year. So last year wasn't the greatest uh, time for opening a business. But we're hopeful that over the next 12 to 18 months that we'll be able to find um, somewhere a bit bigger um, and then we'll be able to start that process off of of having people be able to come in do some workshops with me around, you know, creating art specifically for a coffee mug or creating art specifically for a T-shirt and then help them through that process plus being able to hang some of their paintings up as well. And talking about putting art on T-shirts, I noticed you're wearing a T-shirt today and I know you've, you've made some art for NADOC Week and Reconciliation Week. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so the shirt I'm wearing at the moment has got the Be Brave, Make Change, which is the theme for Reconciliation Week this year. Um, and, yeah, one of, I've always loved sort of creating sort of pieces digitally um, and obviously now with iPads and things like that, it's, it's so much easier. Um, so, and I've been doing a collaboration with Life Apparel um, for NADOC Week, uh, and I did that last year as well. Um, yeah, I enjoy that sort of opportunity to, you know, it's, that becomes a greater challenge than creating a piece of art because you've got to create, you've got to really think about what those words mean. And so, um, you know, I think that's where you really challenge yourself is when you're, when you're sort of working based on themes. And on that T-shirt, you've got three fists with different skin tones, would you say? Yep. Yeah. So the idea is that, you know, that it takes all of us to create change and it takes everyone to be brave. You know, even Aboriginal people need to be brave to make change. And sometimes that's looking internal rather than looking external. I think sometimes we, as Aboriginal people, we forget to look in the mirror um, about what we're doing. We're, we're, We're often too focused on what other people are doing and we also need to be brave and make change ourselves. So where can people find these items? So the um, Be Brave, Make Change are available here in Sugarbag Creative at 183A Hart Street at Glanville, which is basically next to Semaphore and Port Adelaide. Um, and um, Or they can go onto my uh, Facebook page, Rusted Tin, Contemporary Aboriginal Arts, if they're outside of the metro area and would like to order some, um, we can organise that for them as well. Great, so you can buy online. Yeah. And um, where else can people see the artwork that you've created? Yeah, there's look, there's plenty of uh, murals out there in, in around Adelaide. Um, yeah, and I do a lot of school-based work. So if you've got kids in schools, um, there's a good chance that maybe you've ran into some of my art. You might not even know because I don't. I tend not to sign my work. Um, I leave it to the fact that it's a recognisable 
style. It is very recognisable. I'm seeing it all around Adelaide now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's plenty out there to have a look at. Um, yeah, I've got some stuff down here in Port Adelaide and out in Playford uh, in Elizabeth there. Um, some stuff, done some stuff for Dipti at Nalunga train station and along the tram line and the train line at Belair um, and uh, up at Paradise. But yeah, a lot of school-based stuff because I really enjoy the opportunity to work with young people and it's about changing perceptions, changing perceptions of Aboriginal people um, that we're not all, you know, one of the questions that I always ask um, kids at school is what does an Aboriginal person look like? And they tell me that they've got dark skin They've got paint on their bodies and they've got dark curly hair. And so I don't meet any of those um, criteria, um, but it's a good opportunity to open dialogue and have a discussion about these things. And so I think just being there is a really positive change without even having to do anything else other than be there and to say I'm an Aboriginal person. And so for them, they have a positive interaction with an Aboriginal person, which is something that will stick with them and they go home and talk about that and, Hopefully, you know, some of these sort of attitudes um, are changed amongst young people because they're, the, they're obviously the key to the future. And do you have some interesting conversations with these kids? You have some very interesting conversations. Um, you know, even things like we get, you know, you get asked what, what sort of food do you eat because they have this. And a lot of it is because, I mean, it's starting to change now, but a lot of the problem is that, you know, we the images that are put in front of them um, whether that's by us as Aboriginal people or by you know, non-Aboriginal people through teaching or whatever, is these images that Aboriginal people live in the bush and that they're, you know, we're running around in loincloths with paint on our bodies and we're killing animals to eat them and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and there's a lot more books out there now and, you know, and images that change that perception. But you know, around Reconciliation Week and NAIDOT Week, we roll out the dancers and we roll out the, yeah, and the dancers are all painted up and we roll them out with a, with a spear and a, and a boomerang and a didgeridoo. And that's the, that's the lasting image that these, these young people have because that's the only image that they see. And that feels probably very disconnected to their everyday 100%. modern life. 100%. Yeah, they don't realise that there's Aboriginal people everywhere doing all sorts of different careers and jobs. And so... Yeah, so being there and just being able to break that stereotype um, is, I think, a really important thing. Yeah, definitely. And um, you work all around the state, as you've mentioned. Have you seen, you know, attitudes changing over this time in terms of, you know, getting you to come out and, and work with schools and different councils? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, in a way it's better, but I still think there's a level of, um, you know, we sort of will, oh, it's, you know, Reconciliation Week, we need to get an Aboriginal person in or, you know, it's NAIDOC Week, what are we going to do? And then for the rest of the year, there's still an element of, you know, not making an effort. Um, I think a lot of the schools that I work with are very different in that sense because, you know, I'm not about, about that tokenistic stuff either. I want to go in, I want to go in there and I want to sort of push an agenda, I guess. Um, you know, I want to you know, talk to you about doing workshops with your staff and, you know, I've done a lot of sort of preschool uh, workshops with staff um, looking at how to embed um, Aboriginal perspectives more in those settings um, but also getting people to look at their own bias that they may have, cultural bias. So I think it, I think there's an element of change um, but I think there's also still a long way to go. 
So it's not just art, you do all kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, I've grown up with a father who's been quite heavily involved in the politics of Aboriginal affairs um, for, you know, all of my life, pretty much, you know, growing up with him. Uh, and he's still, you know, that's still a heavy part of what he does. And so for me, it was always naturally going to be that I was going to be outspoken about stuff where I was going to want to get in and start working on attitudes um, in a more formal way rather than just through doing art or or other things like that. And are you happy with these conversations you're having? Do you feel like you're making a difference? I think you do. I think, and it's all tact. I mean, I guess when I was younger, I had no tact, you know. Um, and whereas, you know, as I've got older and learnt that you've got to choose your battles sometimes too, um, and it is very emotionally taxing and it does take a lot out of you. Um, but, you know, there's times where you just, you've, you feel like you've just got to stand up and say something because if you've got a strong voice, then you need to speak up because you're the voice for the people that don't necessarily feel that they have a strong enough voice to speak up. And so be brave and you know, make change. And so, and so that's what I try to do. I try to, you know, be a voice where I can. And you don't have to be a big public voice. You can be a, a voice within your own community. You know, that's, you can make change there. You know, I've been involved in football clubs and other community organisations and, you know, sometimes you're speaking out in a really small setting amongst your friends or, you know, your sporting club or your community in some way is just enough because you change an attitude there and that kind of grows and then those people go out, you hope, and change attitudes in their circle and then, bang, you've, you've changed the world. Tell us about the starfish story. The starfish story is that there's a girl walking along a beach and there's all starfish that are washed up on the beach. And so... Um, She's picking up you know, starfish and throwing it out into the ocean and then she picks up another one and throws it out into the ocean and then a guy sort of comes the other direction and says, um, yeah, there's so many starfish all over the beach, you'll never save them all. And she picks up one and she throws it in and she says, well, I saved that one. And so I guess the moral of that story is that you don't have to change the world, but you can change one person at a time or one thing at a time. And that's what sort of, you know, being brave in your own community and making change amongst your own community, whether that's friends, family or whatever, that story always sits with me as that's what it's about. So you don't have to change everyone's views, but you can change the view of one person. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it, Scott. Thanks so much for speaking with Aboriginal Way. No worries. Thank you.